Hi, thanks for joining us for this message from Red Church in Melbourne, Australia. We pray that you are blessed by it. If you'd like to know more about Red Church and its ministries, or if you'd like to support us financially, you can find out more by heading to redchurch.org.au. I'm going to actually help you interpret me a little bit by showing you one of the things I do. It's very strange. It's very American, but I don't think a whole lot of people in America have caught on. But anytime we see God in the sermon kind of say something or move, you're going to see me go. (laughs) So I want you to do that with me. Are you kidding me? Ready? One, two, three. Boom. So feel free throughout the whole sermon. You'll know more as we go through uh, to break into, you know, great statements of praise. I love these two. I love this staff. I see God in this staff. You're being led by people who care about what Jesus thinks. And uh, it's been a blessing and honor um, to be with each one of them. 35 years ago, do you believe that? 35, some of you are going, I'm not that old yet. 35 years ago, Robin and I arrived in Australia. That time we were 12 and 10. (laughs) Supposed to be a joke, but oh well. Um, And I remember standing in line, in the immigration line, with three small children, one of them in Robin's arms. She was 18 months, the other six and four. And we were standing there waiting to cross over into immigration uh, and enter Australia. We'd been 23 hours on a plane with three small children. Been to counseling and we're okay. Um, And, I mean, we looked the part too. I mean, we were in our, we would call them sweats and we were, Hair was going every different way. And, and I told the children as we were moving over to Australia that they could actually fill up their backpack and any toy they could actually fit in their backpack, they could bring with them. But it had to fit in their backpack. So there we stood waiting in line. Here are the kids standing there like this, you know, fully weighted down. Every toy extremely packed in there. And I remember uh, kind of looking at that line that actually was the immigration line in the booth, and we kept getting farther, uh, closer and closer to it. And I said to myself, oh, God, have we just made the greatest mistake of our lives or what? What do we think we're doing? And... We had to go through all of this stuff and almost this kind of selling our stuff and throwing the life we had kind of into a a big storage room and and actually raised our support. We couldn't come unless we had raised our own wage and support. And, and, And there we were as a family just standing here. God, who do I think I am? to come help the church. You know, American, do something great for God. Who do I think I am? Huh. It was a massive transition in our life. And I'll never forget. 
giving him all the passports and all the stuff, and then stepping over the line. We're in. We're in the country. We're in the new. Do you know everything changed? Everything changed in our lives. Our marriage changed for good, just so that you know that. Kids changed. Our values changed for good. Our paradigm shifted. Everything changed. But it took kind of stepping, not because we had great faith. I was the great doubter. But because I knew he was in it. Stepped over the line. Hmm. It's one of the most important moments of our life. But, you know, I know you're probably even weary of people telling you about the transition we've just been through. And we're not, we're finishing it. But can I just jolt you with something that you already know, but I, I think needs to seep in a little bit more? In 2020, the world stopped. All of it stopped. That's incredible. All my life, I, I've been told to go to church. I grew up in a family that went to church. In fact, my family actually went to church, and it was a real small church, so every quarter we had to take our turn cleaning the church. And true story, my dad used to, he put cloths around me and made me go to the back of the church and get underneath the back pew and told me I had to roll down to the front. <laughs> yes, yes. She, I saw this one gasp right here. Oh, yes. It's okay. I've been to counseling, remember? And so, bottom line, I'm one of the first holy rollers. Boom! That <laughs> was number one. I've grown up in this thing, and I should always go to church. No, don't go to church. What a time. Huh. You know, that's what transitions do. Transitions are those moments when everything, in some sense, gets kind of thrown up in the air. And you don't know where you're going, but you know you can't go back to where you've been. Do you know that's one of the most important moments God uses to shape those who love him? Look at the person next to you and say, start listening. Just say, start listening. Here it comes. Yeah. That's one of the most important moments God uses to shape those who love him if you will actually have the courage, you can look all the way throughout your Bible. Transitions are everywhere. If we have the courage to see them. They're that in-between moment. God does some of his greatest work in a transition, but here's the problem. We want out of transitions. Look at the person next to say he's talking about you. Just say that, no. No, don't, but you know, it's America. <laughs> We want out, but God wants in. He wants in. He wants you to linger. He wants you to get all you can. 
Yes, this crazy guy. He wants to do a work in you he can't do other moments. Huh. Now, they're not new. Like I said earlier, these are not new. But I want to take you back to a transition moment that you actually know if you've been around church and loving God and, and listening. It's that, it's that moment in time where after you know, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, Peter's confronted by Jesus, and he's asked this question three times. Ah, you know that one. Three times, Jesus looks into Peter's eyes and says the following question. You know what it is. Say it with me. Do you love me? Ugh. First time, Peter. You know I love you. Take care of my sheep. Second time. Yeah, but Pete, do you love me? Lord, you know I love you. Feed my sheep. But Peter, do you love me? It says Peter was hurt. Why do you keep asking me the same question? And I've asked myself that same question. Jesus, why did you keep asking Peter that same question? Now, if, if you've listened to other sermons on this, you're going to find out the word for love right there is three different kinds. There's the brotherly love, the phileo love. There's the actual agape love, the surrendered love, the sacrificial love. There's, there's really good messages that you've heard about those types of love. I'm not saying they're wrong, but I'm just wondering if we haven't seen the full story. So in John chapter 21, verse 1, I just want to take you back to this transition moment. And, and by the way, the Bible says a lot in a little if you'll catch it sometime. Because if you look at verse 1, it says, After Jesus had appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee, it happened this way. I love it because it's almost like John saying, catch it, because it did happen this way. Now, they had all seen and been with the resurrected Jesus. Hello. Now let's take an honest little vote. I'm going to need you to participate. How many of you would have loved to seen the resurrected Jesus? Put it up there. Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. How many of you would have loved to seen be sitting in a room? This is what it says happened. Sitting in a room and he shows up. Yeah. I mean, come on. If you need more than that, you need more help than we could ever give you. I mean, the resurrected Jesus. And so after they have seen him, actually repeated time, repeated times of seeing the resurrected Jesus, guess what Peter concludes they should do? It happened this way. Simon Peter... Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel, Cain of Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, by the way, the sons of power, thought I'd throw that in, and two other disciples were together. And here's what Peter says, after seeing all the resurrection, I'm going fishing. Interesting. 
And then he said, and they all said, oh, Peter, don't do that. You're a saint. You're a man of God now. You shouldn't do that. We've seen the rest. What, what, what do they say? What's scripture say? We're going to. If we're going down, Pete. We're all going down together. We're going to. You got to be kidding, Pete. I call him Pete. I, I like Peter. Peter's always jumping out of the boats and doing all that stuff. Pete, you're kidding, right? I mean, you've just seen the resurrected Jesus Christ, the Messiah that you long for. But you know, when we don't know where we're going, often we go back to where we've been. Get ready. That was one of them. Boom. When we're unsure about what's ahead, we'll go back to a past. Can you believe this? That we don't even like sometimes. Huh. Because it's known. It's us. It's part of who we are. And if you don't know what's ahead and there's there's been great things that have happened back here. What do you want to do? <laughs> you guys go there. I'm going back here. I'm going back to the good old days. By the way, that's the definition of getting old. That was supposed to be funny, too, but it didn't go over. It just settled <laughs> in. Huh. That's what's called being old. You live in the past. Do you know one of the keys for people to finish well? To hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant, is repeated times of renewal. And we do not run on yesterday's revival. But uh, today's chasing of him. So you're going to remember this story. By the way, you'll have a whiplash because you'll think, now, wait a minute. This is at the end. But. I've heard this story before. So he says, I'm going out to fish. They all go fish early in the morning. I love this. A carpenter, Jesus, yells from the shore, hey, friends, have you caught any fish? <laughs> no. No, they answered. They fished all night, caught nothing. The reason you know this, because Luke 5 tells us this is how it began with Peter. That they fished all night. They didn't catch anything. And this is how it began with Peter. And then he said, put the net on the other side. And he put the net on the other side. And Luke 5 tells us there was so much fish in that net that the boat was starting to sink. And Peter jumps out of it and says, I don't know who you are, but please leave because I'm not worthy of it. That's how it started. And now it's all the way back what's occurring at the end. Interesting. And so that's what sets up, do you love me? That's the context. All night, no fish. And Jesus says something to them. Um, you know, put your net out on the other side. Throw your net to the right side of the boat, and you will find some. And 
When they did, they were unable to haul in the net again. And the disciple who loved Jesus and Jesus loved, which we know is probably John, looks at Peter and says, it's the Lord. It's the Lord. And guess what Peter does? He loves to jump out of boats. Takes the robe off, jumps out, runs on water, probably drowning himself to get into the shore where Jesus is. It's interesting, when they, when they got in there, Jesus had fish cooking on a fire. Translation, Jesus does not need our stinking fish. He needs us. He's after us, not the fish. Fish, no problem, did it twice. But what about you? And what about me? Huh. And then the disciple whom Jesus loved, it's the Lord, and things changed. We stepped over the line. Time for something new. And in that moment, then Jesus says, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? This morning, I just want you to compare verse 3 with verse 17. Because in verse 3, he says, I'm going fishing. And in verse 17, he's asked, do you love me? You know what I think is going on? Pete, do you trust me? Are you going to go back? Are you going to go back to the known? Or are you willing to trust me to help you go into what is not known? Do you want me or do you want the past? Boom. Do you love me? Do you trust me? The essence of love, trust. Are you going into the new, Pete? Or are you going back to the old? Hmm. Now, this has happened many times before. It goes, chronicles all the way back to Abraham. And in Genesis chapter 12, God moves in on Abraham and says, it's time to go. He had told him that he was going to use Abraham to bless all the nations of the world. And at one point in time, Abraham had to actually go through the process even of the sacrifice of his son. But in this moment, he says, Abraham, it's time to go. You know what he tells him? Pack your bags. Well, like all good Western Christians, how we would respond, I will. What do I pack for? A summer a winter, what kind of clothes do we need? So what I'm really asking you, Jesus, is, or God, where are we going? And guess what God says? Pack your bags. Hmm, maybe he didn't hear. God, I will, but tell us where we're going. 
No, pack your bags. In fact, if you don't pack your bags and go, you won't find out where we're going. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. In fact, sometimes you must behave your way into it. You can't think your way into it. You can't want your way into it. You've got to behave your way into what God's at work doing. God, if you tell us where we're going next, I will follow you. Follow me, he says, and I'll tell you where we're going. <laughs> well, Lord, that means we will go out and not know where we're going. Yeah. Tell the person next to you, I feel wonderful about this sermon right now. You know what I'm and not only that, I'm not even going to tell you how to get there. Because you don't even know where you're going anyways. <laughs> you're going to have to trust. By the way, Christ follower, it's always going to come back to trust. Discipleship never stops. It's always come back to trust, and it will always be about love. You believing how much he loves you. Hmm. No matter what, the moment in time we're in is in a moment in time that has happened in our moment of time. God has moved in and said, we're going to someplace new. Are you coming? We're going to some place that's different. You know, the revival is, is actually already started. New wine has already started to be produced. You may or may not heard, I'm sure you heard about Asbury in the US. People lined up two miles long to get into the time of worship. A buddy of mine went and he said, Terry, it is unbelievable. That picture he took right there is at 3 a.m. in the morning, deeply cold. People lined up around the block, hungering for the presence of God. They'd do anything to experience his presence. And by the way, he told me that the worship was pathetic. Nothing near what we had this morning. In fact, people were up on the stage forgetting the songs while they're singing. And guess what? The Spirit of God, they don't need our fish. Oh. New wine. You know, Jesus taught us something. If new wine comes, you're going to need new wineskins. Ooh. You don't need new wineskins if you don't have new wine. But if new wine comes, you're going to need new wineskins. 
new ways that help follow his new work. Men and women, it's happening. The wine is coming. Hmm. Pete, are you going to go back to what you had? Or are you going to go into what I'm at work doing? Red, do you want your plans and old ways? Or do you want his presence and new ways? I think it's ironic that I've come, Robin, I've come at this period. I don't. You know, for 35 years, I've been watching him work in people's lives and churches. I, can't, I don't understand how he does it, but he said, I'm going to build my church. And he does it. And how it all works out, you know, it all, sometimes it is a total mystery. By the way, quit taking the mystery out of the faith and the beauty out of the faith and the unknown out of the faith. You don't want a God you can so know and so predict and so calculate. That's not God. That's you. Look at the person next to you saying, we don't want to go there. Just say that. We don't want to go there. (laughs) But in the midst of it and in the midst of everything we're going, are you sure? Sure you don't want to go back? Red believers. Don't go back. Let's go on. Let's go into what he's doing. The irony of the time that we're here is that if I got it right, figured right, and, and uh, Trudy helped this morning, Palm Sunday is next week, right? I'm pretty deep, right? Okay. And Easter's the week after. What would it look like if we gave the church back to Jesus and surrendered ourselves afresh and anew to his work and follow him into the new thing he's at work doing? I found this picture, and it's the picture of this Soldier. This medieval painting um, came um, from Sir Frank Dickshay. It was in ni- the 1900s. The painting portrays a medieval king returning home from another victorious battle. With great pride, he holds the reins of the horse, and on this side, he holds his sword. We conquered. We did it. We mastered another challenge. But that's actually not the important part of the the painting. Let his gaze take you to the truth of the painting. Do you see it? Do you see the crucifix? You see Jesus hanging on the cross. It's right there where that arrow is for you. It's 
like he saw his greatest victory. And he said, no, that's triumph. That's the triumph. I have taken things from others. This king lays down his life for everyone. Hmm. It's interesting that in this moment in time, we sit two weeks ahead of the moment when he gave all. What if we gave ourselves back to the king? And what if we just gave red back to the king? And we just say, we're following you. After 35 years, I've taught a principle all over the world that you taught me when we were here. Personal renewal precedes corporate change. Say those words with me. Personal renewal precedes corporate change. Whatever happens in us, that's the key to what can happen through us. Thank you.